Good day, movie maniacs. Thank you so much for tuning in to this replay episode. This is Sky. I'm here without my brother Dusty this time. So, in last week's episode number 37 on how to train your dragon, I said I needed a little time away from the podcast to get some things done. So, today's episode is a replay of Avengers Infinity War. This one originally aired back on June 21st of 2018, and uh, in the rotation, this was Dusty's choice of movies. And he chose this one because next week we're going to be back with a new episode on Captain Marvel. And hopefully this episode on Avengers Infinity War will prime you for the next movie, the next installment in the MCU next week. So thanks again for tuning in this week. It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, The Avengers Infinity War. Hey, party people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of the Watch and Learn podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Avengers Infinity War. I've actually seen it three times myself. Dusty, how many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice now. I'll definitely see it again because it is such a fantastic movie. Nice, man. Yeah, I saw it, uh, you know, with the family the first time on opening day. Then I saw it with you about a week later when you came into town from your trip. And then, uh, yeah, I had to go see it again just to uh, re-familiarize myself, figure out some lessons learned, take some notes on what I loved about the movie so that, you know, to prepare for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the same thing I did because after going through it once, I had some life lessons that I kind of uh, put in my mind as something that I would want to either implement or have an idea of. And we'll get into that. But at the same time, watching it a second time and specifically watching for lessons and and trying to think of life lessons that the the movie can give us. Um, it was a different way that I was actually pretty astounded. Like, oh man, I actually learned a lot more than I thought I would just because first time I watched it just for the fun and enjoying of the storytelling. The second time learning life lessons, that was really, really cool. And something I'm looking forward to in every single episode we do. Cause I mean, we'll go through movies that are in the theater, but even old movies that, you know, when we grew up, like maybe Spaceballs, that might be one that we would go through, but you know, we're just learning lesson life lessons through movies is a great way to watch movies absolutely so just for the audience it's pretty obvious we're going to be talking about this movie in detail so spoiler warning if you have not seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled on anything don't freaking listen turn this off go watch the movie and then come back to the podcast because we will ruin the movie for you <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet guaranteed so this movie it had a budget, Dusty, of $321 million. Can you guess how much the United States weekend um, opening, gross opening was? Wow. So I'm going to say I'm completely ignorant to what a normal box office opening would be for a decent mm-hmm. show, if not of the Avengers. Um, if it was sort of, th- I'd say maybe $100 million. No way. It blew that out of the water. $257 million. Whoa. That is just the first weekend. Very first weekend. It almost made back its full $321 million. Can you believe they spent $321 million on movies? No, I cannot believe that. Where does that money go? When you watch the credits at the end of the movie, you can see where the money goes. I mean, that's just people that are a part of it. But my goodness, that's a ton of money. It is, it is. And so far, as of May 29th, the movie in the U.S. has grossed $629 million. So it's, it's almost doubled its money back. Um, wow. And worldwide, $1.9 billion with a B. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Crazy, freaking crazy, crazy. So let's just talk about the movie. Um, uh, some of our favorite parts, right? So the very beginning of the movie opens, it's a cold open. And I've always loved cold openings, you know, from James Bond and various other movies with cold openings before those screen credits pop up. Freaking love them. And this one picked up right after uh, Thor Ragnarok. And I thought that was just incredibly awesome. You know, at the end of Thor Ragnarok, you think, oh my gosh, whose gigantic ship is that? And I thought, oh, maybe that's a Ravager ship. Maybe that's uh, some other space group that we haven't seen yet. Nope. It was Thanos's gigantic, uh, I guess, evil destroyer ship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was very, very cool the way it opened up and you already see the carnage, the devastation. Now I would like to have seen that fight initially. Um, obviously, Thor did not have his hammer, you know, because in Ragnarok, we know that his sister destroyed the hammer. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have that, which is a big part of him and, and who he is and how he fights. So not having that. And, you know, here's a couple questions that come to mind. Where's Valkyrie at? You know, uh, whatever her name is, the, the Valkyrie uh-huh. girl. Um, where's her? Where is um, uh, there's somebody else? Oh, that rock, that stone guy. Where's that stone guy? You know, um, Korg. Korg, Korg, yeah. So he was on the ship too. Anyways, kind of questions come up in my mind where are they at maybe they're already dead i watched for it a second time to see if i could see any of those characters i literally did not see them on the ground as being dead or whatever but yeah i didn't see them either it's definitely not korg the first time we watched it i thought i saw valkyrie in the background but on the second and third viewing i looked for them and i couldn't find them the second and third time so maybe they weren't there maybe they're somehow alive but my guess is they're dead and and speaking want to pay um, I was, <laughs> they didn't want to pay an extra million dollars and they, they added it to 322 million. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, they have enough CGI in the movie. If you have to do some more Korg action, I mean, that's a few million dollars extra, I would imagine. Yeah, it's not really necessary. Yeah. But um, speaking of death, you know, they killed Loki. And uh, I just, I, I really think this is the end of Loki. I don't think that was fake on his part. Thanos said there's no coming back from this or no coming back again, whatever the line was. I think Loki is dead. And it's it's kind of a bummer because... He was a bad guy, but he was grown on me. I liked him. Okay, so two things come to mind. One is the storyline in general with us not knowing anything outside, like how they produce movies, you know, how like the new movies that are coming in in the future, just looking at the storyline in, in from beginning to end and just watching it like you have no clue how they're developing new movies. The other thought is, how are they developing new movies and how that can translate into what's currently going on? Now, a big um, uh, spoiler is that we know that Gamora dies. She literally dies, not at the very end where she'd never existed, but she dies in order for Thanos to get the soul stone. Mm-hmm. Well, in him getting that soul stone, she dies, but we know. So if you step outside of the just normal storytelling, we know that they're going to have a guardians of the galaxy number three. And I've heard and read that they're going to have her be a bigger part of Guardians of the Galaxy, not so eccentric or oh. not yeah, not specifically about Star-Lord more. So it's going to shift a little bit. So all that to say outside of the storytelling, we know that she's still going to be around. At least the new movies are going to have her in those. And this is probably going to be post Infinity War. All that to say with her dying, we can perceive she if we're just watching the storyline, we can perceive with the soul stone as well as the time, time uh, stone, they can go back in time and bring somebody back to life, probably. Same thing with Loki um, as well. And the other guy, the guy that can see or not see, he can see everything and transport Thor back and forth. Yeah, Himdall. Himdall. Or he can, Heimdall, we can, whatever. Yeah, we can 
perceive that they can use this to bring everybody back. You know, it's, it's rather interesting to think, you know, outside the story, but then inside the story, how that plays out. But anyways, what are your thoughts about um, yeah, them either coming back or absolutely killing somebody off for good? Man, as long as it makes sense, I'm good with them bringing anybody back. But here's the thing, right? So I grew up reading comic books and everybody comes back to life. Good guys, bad guys. If they die, they come back somehow. You thought they were dead. They weren't actually dead. But I think for the movies, I think it's okay to kill your heroes. And I think it really, it gives more weight to it. It gives more meaning to everything. If they suddenly, and I don't know, who knows how they're going to uh, do Avengers part four, you know, the continuation of this story. But if they, if they bring back everybody that died prior to Thanos uh, clicking his fingers, or snapping his fingers. If they bring everybody back, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. Like I love Gamora, Gamora as a character. I love Loki. I don't want to see them die, but being dead just makes it more uh, makes it more real to me. Real, you know, yeah, I would say real too. And mm-hmm. I do agree with you. Um, I do as long as it's the story's told well. You know, yeah. as long as they tell the story well, where everything lines up. Um, it, it's hard to do, but it would be great to see that. But at the same time, you're right. It feels more real when there's a huge, big, bad guy like Thanos killing people. Yeah, he's going to be killing people. And so if, um, you know, they die, it makes it feel like it's an actual story, not some, you know, play fun kid movie. Absolutely. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, uh, that, that whole first scene. And the other crazy idea is that, that was all of Asgard. Every single yeah. Asgardian, barring a few maybe living in some outer reaches, other planets or something, that's like 95% at least of Asgard just died on that ship. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Crazy. And then, perceivably, Thor is the last Asgardian. Mm-hmm. So, at least yeah. the, one, the only one that we know about. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So, getting back just to the rest of the movie, I love the humor in the movie. You know, when... Originally, all superhero movies, Spider-Man, the original ones of Tobey Maguire, had a little bit of humor in them. But uh, Superman, hardly any humor other than like sidekick humor, yeah. like Gene Hackman yeah. making some jokes and stuff, you know. Even the Batman movies back in the day with Michael Keaton, or even the newer Batman movies, uh, they just, they have no humor whatsoever. But I love how the Marvel movies decided like 10 years ago with Iron Man, they said, hey, let's put humor in. Tony Stark is a great character who can throw in those little, those, the little quips, the little one-liners. Uh, they started to bring humor in and it just kind of snowballed. Now every movie, I'm not saying they're comedies, they're action movies and superhero movies with like plenty of comedy thrown in, but that's what makes these movies so rewatchable and so fun to watch the first time, second, third, fourth, the 10th time, you know? I think when comic book movies first started coming out, obviously comic books, everybody knows they're for kids. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously adults read them too. I'm not saying anything negative about that. I'm just saying they're originally geared for kids. And so the perception of if you're going to make a movie, it seems to me, let's run away from the comic book type feel like a kid. Let's make it an actual movie for adults. And because they're the ones that pay. So Mm -hmm. it seems like they ran completely far away from the comic. And for years, uh, it came out that way. And, you know, I remember seeing The Punisher. There, there, there's a number of Punisher movies, but like with Dolph Lundgren and, and whoever else, just, all the different Punishers are so serious. Not saying they shouldn't be, but they're so serious that I'm like, man, I feel like depressed when I leave the movie. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know if I want to watch it again. Uh-huh. But now it seems like they've learned, or Marvel has learned that you can't, I don't want to say you can't, but 
um, it's better to incorporate humor because it gets the, the people that are watching active into it, meaning um, they're not feeling so drained when they get done. You know, they feel like a, it was ups and downs, not just down, down. Like if you remember, like I don't, I think DC is trying to learn this, which they're very slow at learning apparently, but Batman versus Superman that was so depressing, so dark. You Batman so- v Superman, Dong of Justice? Dong of- <laughs> yes. That one was so dark and so depressing that it just made you feel like, man, I don't really want to watch, you yep. know, watch it again. Um, I tried that- to watch it a second time and I couldn't get all the way through it. Yeah, it was just rough. But mm-hmm. you watch the Marvel movies, the humor that they bring into it brings it up and down. So it's, it feels more like a story as a, yeah, that, that has ups and downs rather than just down, down, down. Now, I would say, I think Ragnarok personally was a little too slapsticky. I think they went a little too humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, they could have taken out, like one, they could have easily taken out of Ragnarok is where um, Thor threw that ball against the glass and it bounced back and hit, hit back my head and, and falls down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, this is Thor. If he throws something like a ball and it hits him in the head, he's not going to fall down. Anyways, all that to say, it has to be a perfect shot and all that. Yeah. I thought that was a little bit too much, a little too slapsticky. But anyways, all that to say, I do appreciate the fun humor that they brought into as well as this awesome action. I mean, watching it in 3D was super cool. Watching it in just regular, you know, normal um, 2D was awesome as well. Just seeing mm-hmm. the action, just I, I've been blown away with all the Marvel movies. Absolutely. I agree with you. And you had mentioned DC and stuff. Can you imagine a greater chasm between two very similar movies, Justice League and this one, right? Justice League brings together five or six heroes with one ultimate bad guy. This one brings together like 20 different heroes with one ultimate bad guy. But there's just such a huge dichotomy between the two movies. Like it's night and day. Uh, The Avengers is just a hundred fold a greater movie than justice league and it's just crazy how um dc tried to pull it off and they just yeah. couldn't and but it at the same time it's also unbelievable to think that mark that that marvel um pulled it off i mean they brought these three oh, worlds yeah. together you know the whole avengers world with superheroes they brought the mystical realm with doctor strange and they brought the whole like space opera space adventure thing with guardians of the galaxy they put it all in one movie and it was freaking seamless and perfect you it know seemed like it yeah I I'm I definitely agree. It seemed like they, uh, Kevin Feige, the the was the executive producer of all the movies, and John Favreau directed first uh, one and two Iron Man, and then was the producers on the rest of them. They have such great vision and storytelling ability that it seems like it's it's all tied together. There's a couple little nuances here and there between all the movies that kind of pop up. Like oh, I don't know about this, but in general, I mean, culminating in the infinity wars has been such an an amazing adventure watching the story unfold absolutely i agree with you You know (laughs) uh, after watching it the third time one of my favorite parts and it's probably like just my my favorite scene in the entire movie is when uh the guardians bring um oh speaking of the guardians what do you think about this song right here listen That was the one when they first introduced the Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie, right? Yeah, it was. And I don't think I'd ever heard the song before. But ever since then, I, I found it on my, uh, you know, 
uh, find it through iTunes. And I've listened to it literally 30 times since then. It is such an awesome song, man. And I just loved how James Gunn is able to incorporate music with the movie and it makes the movie better for all this awesome music he chooses, you know, and this, the rubber band man by the spinners is like one of my new favorite songs. I freaking love it. It was awesome once because they're telling the story you don't see guardians of the galaxy at all and then all of a sudden you hear the boom 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 it's just <laughs> it just kind of pumps you up a little bit or at least to me it pumped me up mm-hmm. and i'm like oh sweet there they are and the, yep. the banter between them all oh just fantastic yeah james gunn um directing and being a part of the avengers infinity war after having gone through guardians of the galaxy was able to bring that together bring that incorporate that into this movie is just phenomenal I, yeah so that is a fantastic song every single song that they bring in um, that james gunn incorporates into the movies are they just fit perfectly they do 100 they're catchy and just want to hear them over and over again and every time you hear them it reminds you reminds you of the movie so i love it but my favorite thing was when they pulled thor on board and then drax is looking at him and <laughs> And then Star-Lord says something like, who's this dude? And then yep. Drax says, this is not a dude. This is a man. You're a dude. <laughs> and he goes on to say, it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel. <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, yeah, everything about Star-Lord's character is just hilarious. And you know what's funny is um, I didn't read the um, Guardians of the Galaxy comics, but I, after, since watching the movies, um, read up a little bit about him. But apparently Star-Lord was a hardened, like, military officer. And, like, his personality was totally different than um, what it originally, or it actually shows up in the movie. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, originally, like, they had released Guardians of the Galaxy a long time ago. Totally different team. Just crazy different. And then a few years ago, they re-released or recreated the Guardians I guess reimagined the Guardians new. And then they put the comic books out there. And then Marvel, you know, Kevin Feige, James Gunn, they decided to do Guardians of the Galaxy. And then James Gunn put his own spin on the characters. Yeah. And then once that movie came out and was super popular, then the Marvel comics kind of changed their characters again to match huh. his, you know? Very cool. Yeah. So it's life imitating art or movies imitating art and then art once again imitating movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I would say um, I really did not expect, as well as I fully appreciate Thanos in this movie. I didn't expect how much I would appreciate him. I thought he was going to be a you know cold-blooded murderer, killer, and all that sort of stuff. But how methodical he was, and how dead set he was on his um, mission that he believed was the right thing. Obviously, if he didn't believe it. Yeah, you know, that it was the right thing he wouldn't be doing, but he's so wholeheartedly he believes he's the only one that that knows this is the right thing to do for all of humanity. But I did love the um, interchange that he has with every single character, trying to explain himself in a sense, little by little, as every single um, sentence comes out of his mouth throughout the entire movie, you get a big picture of everything that he's about. And so I really appreciated the perspective that he had in there. Sorry the perspective that the storytelling took in helping us to understand Thanos's perspective, you know, coming from me um, just I- ignorantly, I had no clue what he, what would happen and why Thanos was doing it, thinking he just wanted to kill everybody or, you know, take over everything to where if, totally out of nowhere. No, he wants to help humanity. He thinks himself to be, um, you know, a savior, uh, the Messiah or something that's going to help the um, uh, entire world, not just world, but like universe to survive it was really, really exciting to see that storytelling. 
I agree with you. You know, genocide obviously is never the answer and that's what our heroes believe. But it's pretty cool how the best bad guys in any movie that you watch, right? The bad guy totally, they don't see themselves as bad. They're the heroes of their own stories 100%. And Thanos has rationalized his actions. He knows, well, he knows from his own perspective that what he's doing is right. That like you said, he's the savior. He's saving the entire universe. You know, he said that afterwards, he's going to look upon, you know, watch the sunrise on a grateful universe, even though maybe right now they're not grateful, but 10 years, 20 years down the road, he thinks everybody will be grateful uh, to him for it. So I like the rationale. It makes total logical sense to him. And because it, it, it does make logical sense, even though it's way misguided, um, that's what makes him, like you said, such an awesome character, such a perfect bad guy for the story. Yeah. And I liked his demeanor as well as his personality, you know, the way he come, came across. Um, so what is um, uh, the, the actor's name? He played in Goonies. Um, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Fantastic. What was his name in the Goonies? What was his character's name? Brandon. Brandon. Bran. They, they always call him Bran. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I love Bran. I thought he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the way that he came across, not as some psychotic person or um, uh, impetuous or just crazy, you know, just the way he was, he was very deliberate in everything that he did. You mm-hmm. can tell he's been around the block for a long time. I just really appreciate everything about Thanos' character because I did not see it coming. I guess that's the, why I liked it the most. Yeah, I agree with you. And I really liked how he is the best CGI character ever. When you look at him on the screen, I didn't think to myself once, wow, that's some pretty good CGI. I thought the entire time I'm watching, I think to myself, wow, that Thanos is an awesome bad guy. (laughs) CGI never crossed my mind until after the movie. I just thought about it and realized, wait a second, that's that's better than Avatar. That's better than Gollum. When you first see Gollum, oh my gosh, that's the greatest CGI ever. That character is so real. But Thanos is, is, oh man, it's just, it's unbelievable what they were able to do, how everything was just so seamless uh, with his character. Yeah, yeah. And you, well, Star-Lord says, I'm going to shoot that nutsack off of uh, uh-huh. chin off your face. I was like, man, you like the, the visual effects, like you were saying, the CGI of Thanos was spot on. At, yeah, uh-huh. you're right. At no time I thought... Yeah, that, that looks okay for CGI. Like, like you said, Gollum. I remember Gollum looked amazing, but you can still tell it was still CGI. Yeah. Uh, this just, it, it flowed really, really well. It was, it was great. So what did you think about the twist about, um, I want to say it's a twist, just a little uh, plot point that's a little different. Um, the dwarf actually being a giant, but a dwarf giant. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I totally, I I like that a lot. I mean, uh, Peter Dinklage is a great actor and he was perfect. He's, well, he's perfect in any role. If you've ever seen him, you know, in, um, you you watch, of course, Game of Thrones. And then he was in, he's been in a ton of different movies as tiny little parts, but he's always fun to watch. And yeah, that was awesome. Having a giant dwarf bigger than any other character, you know? Yeah, it's things like that that they did in this movie. Um, You know, from changing the perspective of Thanos being a ruling, killing, you know, character, evil guy, to um, changing the perspective of, um, you know, uh, the dwarf actually being a, a, a giant dwarf, just things like that, just really taking me off guard. Like the storytelling was very, very cool. 100%. Well, before we get to the lessons, the, the last thing I want to talk about, it was just so incredible seeing Thor with Stormbreaker um, transporting back to Earth and then uh, just taking on Thanos' army. I thought that was, it was just so awesome to see. His weapon was incredible. I love this awesome uh, Thor with his new suit, you know, it just looks so cool. 
Yeah, and having Groot actually forge the the rest of it, you know, with the handle and mm-hmm. bringing the two pieces together, I thought that was that was super super cool. Um, it they seemed together all these different storylines really well together, and then culminating in the very very last battle in Wakanda, super super awesome. Um, I thought that when Vision, um, when he when he actually died, you know, when um, uh, what's her name, uh, Scarlet Witch destroyed the the um, stone Mm -hmm. and then vision dies but then you got thanos turning back time i was like man you can see this coming but now let me ask you this why did and i think you know the answer but it raised why i'm asking um why did dr strange give him the time stone when he expressed instead i will not even if it costs your life or this you know spider-man's life i will not give it to him why did he give it to him at that point because that's the one way in that 14,605,000 versions of the future that he saw, that's the one that he saw we could win. Isn't that crazy to think? Because yeah. what was rather interesting is when Iron Man went to Dr. Strange and said, why'd you do that? Basically, you know, why'd you do that? He says, we're in the end game now. Yep. Like this is, this is the plan. And this is the path that is going to go down if it goes down the one way. So that's the only way. And obviously you can see Dr. Strange as he's looking through the future the last thing he wants to do is give it to him. And he, so, but he has to go down that path. Like, what if I do give it to him? How -hmm. would that play out? And how would we actually win if we did do that? Yep, absolutely. So, you know, I think we've talked enough about the movie. We don't want to talk about everything because, you know, as you know, you and I can go on and on. We've spent an hour or more on the phone after a movie before. Yeah. We don't want to do that with this podcast, you know, but I do want to talk, I want to get to our next segment which is called Monday Morning Quarterback. So, you know, when you watch movies, you can often criticize, oh, the director should have done this. The actor made a poor choice here. They should have had this actor playing instead of that actor. Instead of talking about the creative process and what could have done better, what I want to do and what I like to do when I watch movies is think about if I was a character, what could one of the characters have done better? Now, do you have one uh, in mind, Dusty? Well, I do have something not pertaining to this movie, but just a general idea of what Monday morning quarterback would be in general for every movie. So (laughs) any horror movie that came out in the 80s, 90s, realize do not take a shower if you're a female because you'll die. That's the absolute (laughs) Monday morning quarterback never should have taken a shower because then that's when I die. (laughs) That's right. That's what we're talking. This is the type of Monday morning quarterback we're doing. So as far as character, obviously, or it seems obvious to me, the easiest, most simplest one was Star-Lord losing his cool. Yep. That was, the, I mean, the one thing that they could have done is taken away that, now, who knows, maybe if they took it off his glove, um, Thanos would have less power, um, and they might be able to actually get it away from him, take him, do whatever. Who knows if that would have played out? I don't know. Thanos is strong in his own right. You know, he yeah. wiped out all of um, Xandar by himself to get the first stone, so now we look at Monday Morning Quarterback, man, if he were Star-Lord would actually keep his cool and not punch him in the face, considering you're not going to hurt him. This dude is destructively strong and powerful. If, they, if he would have just waited like 30 more seconds and pulled off the glove and then punched him in the face, <laughs> just yep. doing that the whole story would have changed. The whole story would have come out differently. But that's my one Monday morning quarterback that, man, as soon as you see him get ticked off at at Thanos, you're like, oh, crap, it's over. 
100%. Yeah. My Monday morning quarterback was that Wakanda, they should have vehicular or tank defenses to utilize, right? Because yeah. at the final battle, you have all these dudes on foot and the only non-foot combatants were Falcon and War Machine in this gigantic open area for battle, right? What is the deal with that? I, mean, I have no it, idea. They had they, they had these really cool like troop transports that took them to the battle. So the battle, when you were watching it, when I was watching it, it felt a lot like Star Wars Episode One with Jar Jar, you know, when the two armies lined up against the droid army. It felt like that. But at least in Star Wars, they were riding animals like on cavalry, you know? Yeah. In this, now, I mean, Wakanda, with all of its technological prowess, absolutely. with its vibranium, they should have the best tank defenses, the best fighter planes, the best everything available, but all they had was dudes on foot uh, in capes with shields. And with, with swords and yeah. shields. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, come yeah. on. Exactly. That's so that's my thing. Wakanda should have <laughs> better defenses. That's uh, uh, That was uh, something that I, I'm glad you brought up. I literally did not think of that because I was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, okay, you know, there's ground forces running in, there's ground forces coming out. I thought of, man, why don't they have better weapons? Like just yep. be shooting them or something. Uh, that's what I thought. I didn't think of tanks or, you know, just anything flying in the air that can destroy them. That's a great idea. But man, that's, that's a huge thing that they could have done. And you know, they have these huge planes that fly everywhere. Yeah, you know, why they would do. They have, yeah, why wouldn't they have that ability? I don't know. I don't know why not. I mean, for the story, obviously, but that's my Monday morning quarterback. So maybe they, they just thought that, that that shield that they have, that dome that goes around it, mm-hmm. is enough. Well, yeah, that that's what they figured. Yeah, this is good. We'll be safe. <laughs> no, nope, nope, nope. So um, let's get to the lessons. You and I have each picked three lessons that we learned. I'll start first, and then you give your first lesson. You know, we'll go back and forth. So my very first life lesson from this movie is that movies can save your life as demonstrated by Peter Parker, Spider-Man's idea with destroying the Maw. Remember how he said in the, mov- in the, yeah. in the thing, oh, uh, up in the ship, hey, do you remember that really old movie Aliens? And then they blow him out of, the, out of the ship, right? Yep. It was perfect. So he watched Aliens, learned a great lesson from that. Space kills is the lesson. So they did what they had to do. They didn't have to battle ma- the Maw one-on-one. They just got him sucked out of the, out of the ship. It was awesome. That was one, that, that's my number two. That's my two life lesson is watch movies because they can give you great ideas, especially think of, um, this is the second time Spider-Man's come up with something after watching a movie or having yeah. experience watching a movie. You know, when he's fighting Ant-Man, he goes, mm-hmm. hey, remember that old movie where it's Star Wars? Yeah. Where they, these big tall walking things and, you know, did the exact same thing. Totally. So obviously, we, as, as we live throughout life, we only get our own perspective, our own experiences, what we, um, it, without watching movies or TV, like we have our own certain perspective and experiences. But if we watch something like a movie that has potentially other experiences, other ideas, other creative ways to tell things or do things, then it gives us other ideas how to implement certain, certain things. And obviously we have this awesome way to kill because, uh, is it mole? Is that what his name is? The Ma, like the a- Ma. Yeah. The Ma is hugely destructive and powerful in himself. I mean, just the magic and the power that he has. He's almost like Magneto, if you think of you. Know, he can control almost everything uh, meadow, metal, mm-hmm. but um, the Ma is able to control everything else. But I think he just has really strong telekinesis is his power. Pro- yeah. yeah. Um, and so almost anything that you do, he can 
combat but if you have something that is quick and almost instantaneous to actually kill him Mm -hmm. like they did fantastic but yeah that was my number two was watching movies will save your life because you have other experiences that other people have thought up and and put on the big screen that you can implement into your own life yep absolutely so what is a, a different lesson the first lesson that i've learned comes back to a a statement that I've heard many, many, many years ago, but it really strikes home. And the lesson I learned is all power in one place is deadly. And that basically comes from the, um, the quote that power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Now with Thanos having 100% power, like literally he can never die unless out of nowhere, you literally explode his brain. So he cannot, you know, use his stones or anything like that. Um, but absolute power corrupts absolutely, meaning that now he does not have to worry or fear anything that he can do absolutely in everything that he wants. And think of that applying to our own life. If you have somebody like um, some dictator that, or some king or somebody that has all the power, controls the, the military, or you know, think back in like the you know, uh, Middle Ages where they had knights that they patrolled and, and just killed people because they had all the power, then nobody else has any authority against them or can do anything against them. So that power eventually corrupts them where they think they're invincible. And they they think they're either above God or they're God themselves or whatever it might be. But that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Now, a small caveat is it looks like that Thanos is doing this not out of um, uh, thirst for power, thirst for power, things like that. He's doing it to help, but I can easily see how this can continue where he has absolute power. He will be completely corrupted because even though he thinks he's doing something good right now, what if the next whim comes into mind? Okay, now we got to kill off, you know, uh, half of these I already killed off half. Let me kill off another half because now there's still people doing this. Now let me kill off another half. Well, yeah. now you get to let somebody like ego ego saying everything sucks. Let me kill everything. You know, so that's mm-hmm. really eventually how it could come down. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my second lesson, it comes from something you said earlier. And the lesson is anger screws everything up. With Star-Lord obviously getting angry over Gamora's death with Thanos, that screwed everything up. Drax and Thanos as well. Drax started to go get unbelievably or like incredibly angry at just seeing Thanos. He yeah. wasn't sticking to the plan and he wanted to just rush in, right? So that ruins everything. And then if you think back to the Iron Man and getting so angry that the Winter Soldier, um, you know, in oh, yeah. Captain America, or uh, yeah, Captain America Civil War, even though he was under mind control, he was forced to, um, Iron Man's anger at the Winter Soldier for killing his mom and dad, but mainly his mom, that's what caused a huge, or that's what made the rift between Iron Man and Captain America even bigger. So that's the second lessons I took away. Anger screws everything up. I would go that or i would go same thing along line so my third lesson goes along with line with that is pride screws everything up along with anger you're absolutely right um your anger in the moment can actually do that absolutely do that but if you look at pride how your pride can get in the way so my my lesson was don't let your pride get in the way of anything but especially between you and good friends um you have captain america and iron man who were very good friends, you know, obviously they had differences and, you know, one, uh, uh, Tony Stark was, you know, huge ego and all that stuff. And Captain America had his principles and they, but they, they were friends. They fought on the same side, but letting something divide them, obviously it's, it was in, in good reason, you know, Tony Stark's mom being killed by Captain America's best friend that he wants to try to save. It's in good reason. But you know, when, 
the world is going to, or the universe is going to be destroyed because you don't want to call your, you know, this guy that you know that you should be friends with. Your pride is getting in the way. Your pride can also stop you from potentially doing something right. And what's funny is um, they would actually have gotten the infinity stone, the time stone, if Captain America wasn't there to help um, Scarlet Witch and the um, uh, Vision. And so because they were there, because Bruce Banner called up Captain America and they showed up to you know, save the day. Um, they actually saved Vision from getting taken. But the downside, another downside is Iron Man and Captain America never actually meet up. They're totally separate. They haven't actually talked to each other. They're both fighting. They both know that they're each fighting. Um, they're each doing everything they can to save um, the entire universe. But now being good friends, now they are not best friends. You know, they say, Tony Stark says they're not on speaking terms. Um, but that's sad. That's your pride getting in the way of, of actually reconciling and bringing it back together. Absolutely. Yeah. So my third lesson is sometimes you win when your opponent thinks they've won. So it's pretty obvious. Uh, like you said, Dr. Strange gave him the time stone because that's the only way they can win, right? So as of right now, um, Thanos, or as of the end of the movie, Thanos snapped his fingers. He thinks he's won but that's how our heroes will eventually win. It's kind of like, you know, a football game, a basketball game. You're up at halftime. Your mentality switches from let's get more points to instead you're thinking, let's hold the lead. Now, your opponents at halftime, they're super motivated. The coach goes in there, yells at them, we got to do this, we got to do that. Let's get some points, let's catch up, let's beat them. So now your opponents are pushing even more for more points. You lose the lead because you switch your game plan because you basically think you've already won and you're no longer fighting like you were before. So that's my third lesson. That's a great point. Um, and now, question I want to have, uh, on top of what you said, that even though Thanos thinks he's won, and we know there's another story coming out, right now, if, if we were just looking at the storyline from beginning and not knowing there was another movie coming out, we would think Thanos has won. How do you think the Avengers are feeling, other than Doctor Strange, because he's seen the future, how do you think the, the rest of the characters are actually feeling right now? And how does that apply to you in today's life, even though they think they've won or they actually won, but you might win in the end? How does that play out to you? Well, it's not over till the fat lady sings. You know, there's always hope. And as long as you are still alive, you know, Thanos is still alive. He's somewhere with the Infinity Gauntlet that possibly has the power to undo all of this. You still have a fighting chance. Yeah. So as long as there's breath in their lungs, there's always a fighting chance. Absolutely. So yeah. before we end this puppy and tell the audience our next movie, do you have any last words, Dust? So I absolutely love this movie. And one thing I would do want to tell all of our listeners is that you and I are going to usually pick movies that we enjoy. Um, and then, you know, we want to make sure that we talk about good things about it, but we're not going to shy away from crappy things that we don't like about it. Like, Hey, Monday morning quarterback, you should have done this, or this character should have done this. But if we don't like a movie, then no. Okay. Let's give you an example. There's solos coming out or it just came out. We we're going to go watch that. We know that we're going to go watch and, um, uh, try to figure out lessons. If that movie's horrible, then we're going to say it's horrible. So we're not going to always be saying, hey, this movie's great, go see it. We're going to tell you exactly our thoughts and feelings. We're not going to, we're going to be as real as possible with everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. And you just mentioned it, you know, last time or when we did the intro episode, you chose that we were going to do this episode first. So I'm choosing Solo for our second episode. How does that sound? You know what? I am hesitant because I watched <laughs> uh, Rogue One and the other one. What was the... Uh... The, the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Jedi, I, 
again. I don't remember that. Again. <laughs> we watched that one and man, I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. I would, if Solo's the same way, I'm literally going to rip it to shreds because I hated, I wouldn't say hated, that was a strong word. I absolutely physically would punch it in its throat if it was alive. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, because it was so poorly written. It was horrible. And the big thing, and two things I want to bring up that we didn't talk about in this episode that I wanted to bring up was, and we've talked about this at length because it's so irritating when movies do this. So um, think of The Last Jedi and couple that with the DC movie, the um, Justice League. Mm-hmm. So Justice League comes out. You have this big bad guy. His name is um, Steppenwolf, you know, the same, same as the, uh, the band. Steppenwolf comes out and he's all this big bad guy and nobody can defeat him. But at the very end, Superman just flicks his finger at him and the guy dies. Basically. It's like, why? Like, this guy was a puny, pathetic little thing. You know, should have just pulled out Superman from the beginning. Obviously, that's their goal. They wanted to get him. But man, he was so weak compared to Superman. It was just pathetic. Now, looking at The Last Jedi, the the, the thing that they should have started with was turning one of the ship around, turning on light speed and shooting it through the the planes that were flying after him. Why, Why didn't they do that? They should have done that. Now, they could say, well, they didn't have power. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. I don't care. Start with the end game. You know, start with that thing. Oh, this is our last chance. Let's just do it. Anyways, I, if, I hate movies that do that. Like, at, at the very end, they should have done that from the very beginning. What are your thoughts about that? I completely agree with you, but uh, uh, I hate that they beat them or they escaped at the end of that because you know what that means? That means that the Death Star is it's nothing to be scared of absolutely you could destroy a gigantic ship like that with one ship going light speed through it you could destroy the death star with two ships going light speed through it yep so they've effectively made they've effectively made the death star which is supposed to be the worst not worst but like the most dangerous thing the most powerful weapon that the empire has you've effectively nullified its power all you got to do is get any ship not even within distance. It could be three light years away, 10 light years away, right? All you yeah. got to do is be able to have a straight shot at it. Boom, in three seconds, it's done. And so they screwed everything up with that ploy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's the worst thing they, they could have done. And I don't understand. It blows my mind how the producers of that movie, the actors in the movie, um, uh, the writer didn't realize that they just screwed everything up. Like you said, Steppenwolf was beat by one little flick of Superman. Yeah. When you allow that to happen, you've just screwed up everything. There's nobody storytelling is bad yeah. from this point forward that can beat Superman and the justice league. So yes. like, why have the movies? Because you made them too powerful. The heroes. So getting back to solo, your question, I am hesitant because of the last one. It seems like now, is it Disney that owns Star Wars? Yeah. It seems like they're wanting to make their money back. They paid a a ton of money to get that whole franchise. But they're like, let's just keep pumping out movies left and right, you know, all these spinoffs so that we can make money from this name while we can. And, um, you know, uh, was it George Lucas that did um, uh, Jar Jar Binks? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously he almost destroyed, <laughs> George R. Bink almost destroyed uh, Star Wars all by himself. But it just seems like they're just trying to force out movies and just trying to pump out um, movie after movie. Hopefully it's going to be good, but I'm very hesitant. Now, I know there are going to be plenty of people that love Star Wars that listen to the show. 
Um, I'm just going to tell how I see it. I mean, you can completely disagree. I, I love it that you disagree if you do disagree with me, but I'm just going to call it like I see it. And hopefully it's good. I'm very hesitant. I did absolutely, absolutely love Harrison Ford and um, Han Solo. I think that's a great character. So I'm really excited, but at the same time, like, uh, I hope they're going to do it good or, you know, do it well enough to hit the storyline fits and they don't do anything stupid. Yeah. I, I hope so too, but uh, we shall see. And the already uh, the audience will be uh, uh, the audience will be getting our opinion, and you know, just a week from now, already. Yeah, and I'm actually going to go watch it tonight. I'm I'm jumping in. I have a friend of mine. We're going to go watch it tonight, and so we're going to be able to do this podcast. And I'm I'm excited to watch a movie from the very beginning. You know, when we I'll take a quick step back with Avengers, I watched it once for the cinematic fun, but the second time I went back and watched it for life lessons. This, I'm going to, it's interesting to see how I'm going to experience a movie watching just for life lessons. Obviously, enjoying the cinematic and everything about it, watching the story, and but also trying to capture life lessons. I'm, I'm interested to see how I'm going to react to that. Yep, so am I. So thank you, everybody, for listening to our very first episode of the Watch and Learn podcast. We will be back next week with Solo, A Star Wars Story. 